Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. so excited to be here. Uh, you don't know me and I don't know most of you, but uh, for a long time I've been friends with many of the people who've been on the staff here, from Nathan Keating back in the day, one of my friends, to Russ Cripps, tremendous, one of my very best friends, Jonathan Moore, one of my dearest friends, Mitch Rose, incredible friends, and uh, so I've, I've gotten the opportunity to speak to Image Student Ministry a lot of times. Um, I think when they run out of other people to ask, they ask, they come back to the well, and they're like, well, I guess we'll have to ask Danny. He's pretty close. So a couple of, uh, about, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, I got to go and uh, be with the, uh, the students, with Brad and uh, Pastor Brad, and do their retreat, and I had a blast doing that. And I, there's some kind of game there, pickleball. I, I don't even, I've never heard of this game before, but just for the record, I dominated in it. Uh, I dominated all the students, and I wanted, to, I wanted to build their self-esteem, so I trashed them in this game and ran smack the whole time whilst doing it. But uh, yeah, hey, I'm so glad to be here. We're from San Antonio, so it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away. My wife, Rachel's here with us, and my kids are back in the back. So... This is uh, totally awesome for us, and I'm not going to be along tonight, and I just kind of want to do a teaching. I'm, I, hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm amongst friends here tonight, and, uh, and I can just kind of do what I do. Let me, let me just say this. If you're a guest um, here tonight with CLC, um, please come back on Sunday when the good-looking people, the talented people in terms of the speakers and uh, all those, yeah, yeah, all of them are better looking than I am, better speakers than I am, and just way cooler all in general. So please come back on Sunday. And this is a tremendous, tremendous church, and just just a legendary church, and we're uh, we're just glad to be here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I want to talk to you for a little while tonight uh, about joy, um, and it's kind of a strange topic. I know it's spring break. Let me let me just say this: it's spring break. Uh, this past Sunday, I don't know how your Sunday was here, but at LifePoint, our church in San Antonio, it wasn't very good. Uh, we had like eight people. Um, not really. We had more than eight, but not much more than eight, it felt like. Spring break, time change, tremendous thunderstorm overnight. Uh, so, yeah, I know how it is. Um, and I, I told my wife before, I said, the next time it's spring break, I'm just going to conveniently schedule a vacation where I don't have to be there for the time change and spring break all at one time. How many of you know what I'm saying? Well, whoever invented the time change was not thinking about pastors when they did that. Why can't time change happen on Friday at 4 o'clock? Can I get a witness for that right now? Can I get a witness for that all over the house? Why can't that happen? I, I ask you to talk to your congressman, whoever they are. Uh, you're close right here. Just go and pick it and tell them you... No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I want to talk to you tonight just for a little bit um, about joy. You know, I, I've been, I start, we started LifePoint Church uh, almost five years ago. And I had been a student pastor for 14 years uh, before that working with students. And one of, the thing I was, one of the things that I've noticed over the last few years uh, as a pastor is that it seems like more people than ever are dealing with anxiety and depression and hopelessness and just other things that tend to rob them of joy. J- just a couple of stats real quick. I'm not a stats kind of a guy, but just, just to help me out here. Um, 18.8 million Americans suffer from depression. 
One one out of every 10 women experience postpartum depression. Uh, Women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. Over one million preschoolers take antidepressants. Think about that. One out of four teens suffer from depression, and then 1,080 people attempted suicide today in your country. So I, I could be wrong, but based on what I just read to you, I'd suggest that in our nation we have a joy problem. Amen? And, and I think the reason that joy is lacking for so many people is that uh, because people don't understand what joy is, how to access it, and just sort of how to live in it. So I just want to do a teaching for a few moments tonight uh, about joy. And, and the title of the message tonight is, I Choose Joy. Would you just say that with me for just a second? Say, I choose joy. Now, uh, let me start by making a few statements about joy. Joy it isn't something that comes from the outside, meaning that it's not something you can just sort of buy, grab, experience from external things. Um, joy isn't something that comes from the outside, and it has very little to do with, with externals. It comes from, from the inside. It's, it's something that you choose to have, that you choose uh, to experience. And so, in other words, if you're waiting for something good to happen, right, in your life, so that you can experience and operate in the joy of the Lord, I'd suggest you'll, you'll wait a very long time because that's just not how joy works. And, and in this current climate in, in, in our country's history came through a brutal political season, uh, a, a very divided nation. And, and it's not just politically or, or even economically, but, ju- but just in general. But by virtue of the fact that you live uh, on planet Earth, there are things that will uh, kill your joy. There are things that happen to us. Forget the nation for a moment. There, there are things that happen to us on very personal levels um, that, that, that can, can cause us to lose um, our joy. Now, now, Jesus said, because Jesus knew how this was going to work out. Jesus said, in this world, you, what? will have trouble. You remember this? You will have trouble. Not, not just economically or financially or, or, or politically, um, but just because you live in this earth, you, you will have trouble. You will have things that oppose your joy, things that will kill your joy if you don't decide, make a conscious decision to, to live in it. So, so then the question is, what do we do about joy, right? What, what, do we, what do we do about our attitudes? What do we do about the fact that stuff happens? And what do we do about the doldrums of life that we sometimes get into? How many of you know what I'm saying? We can just get into a rut. I call it getting into the funk. I don't know. I, I was born in the 70s, and we could say funk back in the day. You know what I'm saying? You just get in there, and you can't hardly uh, get out of it. And, and, and so what, what, do we, what do we do that with that? So I'm going to maintain throughout this teaching tonight that, that joy is a, a choice we make. It's an attitude that we choose uh, to live in, even during the rough stretches the, the rough days that we all experience. And, and just so you'll know that I practice what I'm preaching to you tonight, I, I just told you that our Sunday, it, it was brutal, man. It, we, we, were, we were a young church, and we were down 100 people from two weeks before. And, and, and again, I don't know how that makes you feel, but when you're a pastor and you're looking at that and you're like, get, get the knife, you know, take the knife away, babe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, never, anyway. Um, yeah, get, get it away from me. And, and, and I literally told her, 
you know what? Nah, I'm not, I'm not going to go into some funk. I'm not going to get into the doldrums. I'm going to choose to just smile about it, laugh about it, know that there were a lot of external forces that conspired against it. I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to go down uh, that road. And, and I made a conscious decision, and guess what? This week, spectacular week, right? I, I choose not to live in anger. I choose not to live in frustration and bitterness and depression. I choose instead uh, to live in joy. I choose joy. Now, I believe, it's just my opinion, and it might be a naive one. You know, I'm, I'm willing to admit that to you. Uh, that, but I believe that joy is the biblical antidote to uh, certain kinds of depression and anxiety and stress and, and fears and, and, and deep wounds. But it only becomes the antidote, the sort of medicine, if you will, if you know what it is and how to have it. Like, like I'm not saying that I'm opposed to doctors and, and medicine or, or, or counseling. Uh, not at all. I'm not opposed to that at all. As a matter of fact, we, we, we encourage folks to do that. Provided that it's godly counsel that's being dispensed and godly wisdom that's being passed out. You know what I'm saying? But, but what I'm saying is, is your Bible and my Bible has answers for the problems of life. And, and I don't think that it's a naive statement at all to suggest that this book that we, we, we hold dear and near and dear has the answers to the, the stuff of life. Right? And, and I believe that joy is the antidote to so much of the depression and the anxieties and the, the stresses of this life that just keep us sort of pushed down. And so, so I want to make a significant distinction as we jump into this teaching here. When we say joy, we're not, we don't mean happiness, which, which depends on happenings um, uh, for it to occur, and then as a result is very fleeting, right? Like, like if you, I don't like McDonald's. I figure you only have so many meals to eat in your lifetime, and why waste it on McDonald's? But my kids like McDonald's, and so occasionally I have to take them there. But I have never, M- McDonald's serves happy meals, but not, you ever seen a joyful meal at, hap- at McDonald's? They don't have that, right? You've heard somebody say, man, that person's a real happy-go-lucky person. You haven't said, hey, they're a real joyful-go-lucky person, have you, right? Some people after work, they go to something called happy hour. Nobody's ever called it joyful hour. Can I get a witness in the house tonight, right? It's just, it, it, even, even, even the branding people know that, that, that it, there's a distinction uh, between the, these two things. So we're, we're saying the joy of the Lord, right, or, or, or the joy that comes from the, the Lord, right? In other words, it's His joy and it's not mine. So then it's not dependent on, on how well my bonus was or, or if, if I got a, the new car that I was dreaming about. It's, 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 it's God's joy that gives me strength. It's God's joy, listen to me, that is a fruit of the Spirit-filled life, amen? It's a, it's a fruit, it's a byproduct of, of walking in the Spirit and living in, in the Spirit. And, and you can choose that, right? You, you can choose to receive and live in that joy. And, and I think it's incredibly sad to see people of God walking around depressed or with just constant levels of anxiety when when the joy of the Lord is available to us. Like it's a, it's a, it's a trick of our spiritual enemy uh, to, to steal my joy, to confuse me about what real joy is and what it's in fact not. Now, now the enemy can't steal your salvation. How many of you know that tonight, right? Can't, can't steal your salvation, but he can 
If you allow him to, he can steal your joy. He can rob your joy. Now, God wants us to live in joy. God wants joy to be part of our lives. And one of the reasons that he came to this earth, in fact, was to bring joy. Look at Isaiah 61. This is a prophecy about Messiah. Verse 2, it says, he came to comfort all those who what? Mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for what? For ashes, the oil of joy for what? For mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let me just say this, man. When these people up here lead in worship, and you know this, this is a church that knows how to praise and worship. But man, you come in here and you feel weighted down by life, by a week already, a, a couple of days at work. Man, praise is rocket fuel for the soul, man. You, you take off that garment that, of nastiness. You take that garment of junk off. You just lift some hands. You, whatever you do, Man, it's rocket fuel for the soul. Praise looks good on you, somebody said, right? Uh, The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, right? So joy isn't just a nice idea that this guy who you don't know showed up on a Wednesday night to talk to you about. It's what Jesus wanted to give us to fight the, the so-called ashes of life. Like stuff will happen, bad things will happen. We need something to help us in those seasons. Like mourning and heaviness. The Bible says joy is his antidote. And it's, it's a choice. Like if I have a headache and I need some medicine, I have to choose to take it. The fact that I have it in my house, in my arsenal, right? It doesn't help me unless I choose uh, sort of to take it. it. It's a choice. And I choose joy. You, you know, the, the Apostle Peter said in his writings, he said that it was joy unspeakable. Like, or, or, or like, like inexpressible. And then he said, and it's like full of glory. And he's, and he's talking about faith in Christ. That, that faith in Christ, though, he says, though you've never seen him, but you believe in him. And, and that is joy uh, inexpressible. And, and listen to me. If you're not living with that kind of joy... Because listen to me, when you came to faith in Jesus, when you gave him your heart and life and soul, listen, he gave you joy. And some of us just haven't yet had that dawn on us. And so if you're not living with inexpressible joy, maybe just kind of get on the edge of your seat. Not literally, right? You can chill out back there. It's all good. All right, so this evening I want to give you three things that joy is. All right, so if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, I encourage you, write some stuff down. The first thing I want to tell you about joy is that joy is a personal awakening and you choose it, right? When, when you came to Jesus, how did that happen, right? Did, did you, were you driving down the road and all of a sudden your car got picked up and put in this parking lot or wherever you came to faith in Jesus? Like, and all of a sudden you floated bodily into this room or wherever and then, you know, God just smashed you into the front and the carpet? No, right? You chose to come uh, to, to, to Jesus. You, you, you felt the conviction, the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. And, and the bottom line is you chose him. He didn't sneak up on you and take over. You had to reach out to him. And this is why David could say in Psalm 51, and we'll come back here a couple of times, restore to me the joy of, of what? Of your salvation. Like I need to have joy 
put in me. I chose the salvation, but there is joy that comes along with my salvation. And David had lost that, that he had lost that in his sin, in his mistakes. And he's saying, hey, please restore to me the joy that comes along um, with my salvation. Like it's a package deal. So I've got to know by faith that I can have this joy uh, down in my soul. And I might not feel like I'm about to get joy right? But, but joy isn't about how I'm feeling, right? I, I, I have to reach out in faith and claim joy just like I had to reach out in faith to God to save me, right? It's His salvation and it's His joy that He freely gives us, but we have to respond to it and we have to choose that uh, in, in, in Jesus' name. So, so I want you to go with me real quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to pull out of a little story here. We're going to unpack it for just a few moments tonight. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1. There's a lady there whose name is Hannah, and she's married to a guy named Elkanah, but this guy has two wives. How many ladies know he had already had a problem right there, right off the top? Can I get a witness from some ladies in the house, right? Like, so one of his wives could have children, but Hannah, his other wife, couldn't, and culturally and just personally, this was a devastating thing, and it broke her heart. And at the end of the day, she goes to the temple to pray about it, and she's praying, and she says to God something like, if you'll give me a child, like, I'll give him back to you. And she's so desperate in her prayer, the priest walks by, and he sees her praying, and she's so desperate that her lips are moving, she's so in anguish. I don't know if you've ever seen a kid when they fall down, and they hurt themselves really bad, and they're crying, but no sound's coming out. And you're like, please, child, just breathe, you know? It's okay to breathe. They're like... You know, you know what I'm saying? This is what this lady's doing. N- nothing's coming out. And so the priest thinks she's drunk. And he's like, hey, woman, stop drinking. Put the wine away. But she's not given to wine and drinking. And this priest, he doesn't have any sensitivity awards. Can I, can I get a witness in the, in the house? And, 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 and she says, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a person of drink. I, I'm, I'm a woman of sorrow. And he realizes her mistake. And he says to her, he says, go in peace. Now, I want you to realize as we go through this, she actually leaves in peace. She, she leaves with joy, which I'm going to show you here in a moment, knowing that God had, had heard her. A- at this point, nothing has changed in her story except the not, that she has the knowledge that God has heard her lament. But she leaves in peace, choosing joy, despite the fact that nothing has changed in her circumstances. And, and she does have a son, and she does give him back to God. But, but, but let's rewind for a second and see what happened first. First Samuel 1, verse 6. just going to kind of skip through here a couple verses for time's sake. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, which is the other wife, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on how long? Uh, year after year. This is the long time she's had to put up with this. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her r- rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Fellas, how many of you know we don't weep and not eat, right? We weep and eat. Can I get a witness? Just give me some food. I'll cry while I'm eating this bowl of chili right over here. Now, this, this went on year after year. And, and the one wife who could have kids tormented the one who couldn't, adding to her sorrow, adding to her depression, adding to her anxiety about this thing. Year after year, she was depressed. Year after year, she's got anxiety. She's stressed out. She's, her heart is broken. And she's trapped in this vicious cycle of depression and anxiety. And, and you probably know people like this. You know what I'm saying? You know people that are just sort of stuck. People who can't seem to shake off the sadness. 
people who can't seem to shake off uh, a, a, depression, a depression that's gripped them, stuck for years in a, a vicious cycle of this stuff because of something that's happened to them in their past or something that is ongoing in their lives. And this is, this is not God's plan. And God wants us to live in wholeness and, and, and well-being. God wants us to live in, in freedom and joy. But this woman is just stuck there. And, and until one day, one day she makes a decision. And she chooses to leave it behind. And I want you to make no mistake about this. She made a decision in the house of God to leave her depression, her anxiety, whatever, behind her. Now, let, 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 me, um, let, let, me, let me transition for a second. I just want to give you a thought real quick. Uh, 2 Peter 3.8 says this. says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Peter's writing to, to his friends. He says, with the Lord, a day is like what? A thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now, we're, we're kind of like that, sort of. N- not that we're going to live a thousand years. Like, even if I lose more weight, work out, eat right, stop eating Twinkies, you know, take my meds, whatever... Not going to live a thousand years. But I want you to think about it like this. We, we often let one bad day or one small space of our lives live on forever and become something that we can literally pass down to our own children who then can pass it down to their kids in a sort of generational kind of thing. We, we let one small season of our lives where we made a bad decision or where we made a bad mistake or where, where somebody did something horrible to us, and, and we, we, we drag it around with us, and we drag it along with us for our entire lives, and it literally changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we see the world. It changes the way that we interact with people. You have a bad relationship with a man when you're young women, and, and all of a sudden, all men are like this guy, or, or somebody does something really bad to you, or you make a bad mistake, or you have a season of your life where you did some really stupid things, some sinful things, and all of a sudden, they begin to define you, and they begin to become who um, you are. And, and so what happens is, one day... Or, or one small season of our lives lives on throughout our lives and beyond, even into our children's lives. And they, they have to carry our bags around with them as well. What a shame, right? We, we, we sabotage our joy and, and our success and our relationships over something that happened in a short, a day, if I can use that reference, um, in, in, in our past. But, but if that's true, like if, if one day or one season can become a thousand years uh, in, in our lives, then, then the reverse is also true. Wouldn't that make sense, right? It, you, you can choose to take something that the enemy, your enemy, intended to destroy your life and, and something the enemy intended for you to carry around for, for a thousand years. And you can just say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and, and you can turn its influence into a day or, or, or a relatively short season of your life. And this is a powerful idea. This is your choice. You are not what you, you did. And you are not what was done to you and you can just let it go and you can just leave it behind this is your choice and I've got to choose today that I'm not going to let an event or or even a series of bad decisions or mistakes that happened in my past dictate the rest of my life and and not only just let it affect my life but the lives of the people around me and you can choose this come on say I choose joy now Lamentations chapter 3 says that the Lord's mercies are new when? Come on, say this with me. The Lord's mercies are new when? Every morning. 
what does this mean? Like, like, what it means is that God provides a way every day to put yesterday where? In the past, to put it literally behind you, to give you a new shot at a new day every day. Like, some of us wake up and we're like, oh, i got to go to work again. i got to do this thing. Instead of waking up going, wow, there's new mercy for me. The God who loves me dramatically has made a new mercy for me today. You see what I'm saying? So, so he, he says... He says in Isaiah that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west and that even he who knows everything can't remember them. He chooses, God chooses to forget what happened five years ago or ten years ago or forty years ago and yet some of us, we don't forget it. We actually just drag it around with us as a burden that we feel like we have to bear, like we're paying penance. But how many know somebody already paid the price, amen? Somebody already paid it. We, we don't actually have to drag it around with us because God provides an opportunity for a new day every morning. And this is why David, like, like the king, like the, the, the prophet, the, the, the poet says that sorrow lasts for what? A night. And then what happens? Joy comes when? Joy comes in the morning. So I've got to ask you this question. I've got to ask you this question. When is morning? Like think about it. For, for you I mean. Like, not for me, not, but for you. It, it, it's up to you, isn't it, right? It, it's your choice. For some of you, it's like 4 a.m. You work some kind of crazy shift, right? Others of you, you have no idea what 4 a.m. looks like unless you stayed up that late and it's still night to you. Can I get a witness on that? All the young people said amen, right? Others, others of you, morning is 8 a.m. and not a moment sooner or it's going to be bad for everybody around you. Amen? Others of you, morning begins at noon, Right? You're, you're in college, or I don't know, whatever. Um, what, what are you getting at, Danny? What, I'm getting at this. Morning is when you choose to wake up. And, and you may need some help getting up. My, my girls have to set an alarm. Uh, to get, to, and, but here's the thing. For some of you, God set an alarm in your life a long time ago for you to wake up from the depression and the anxiety and the stress and the doldrums. And you've been hitting snooze on that for so long. And you're like, man, why am I dealing with all this junk? Why do I have to have this happening? Like, like that's why joy hasn't come to you yet because you've been hitting snooze on your morning. And others of you need just somebody to shake you awake and help you see, listen, it's not as bad as you think it is. Man, there's a mercy that's been made new for you every morning. I, I wonder if anybody hears what I'm saying tonight. Amen. Now, God has made this available to you, and some of you have just not yet chosen to to take hold of the joy that comes when you wake up, right? I choose joy. You need to say that again with me. I choose joy, and I choose to just wake up to what it is that God is offering me. But But I say it again. It's a choice, and you have to choose to let it go. You have to choose to let some stuff go. Because the, the one thing that will rob you of joy more than anything, I think, is a wounded spirit. You let someone lie to you or lie about you, betray you, cheat on you, give up on you, abuse you. And it doesn't just hurt our emotions. Like it goes deep. 
and it wounds our spirits, and we're wounded so deeply that it seems like we just can't move past, and we can't move on, and it's like, it's like we're just dragging heavy weights around through our lives, and life is just a struggle, and it's just a challenge, and, I, and, and I've learned this in my own life. I'm not just telling you something that somebody else said. I'm telling you what has been a part of my own life. You, you, until we get healed in our spirits... We cannot live in joy. It just, it just won't happen. And, and, and getting our hearts healed and whole is also a choice like, because God can and will help us. But I've got to say this. God can't help you if you've not forgiven the person or the people who wounded you in your past. Like if you are carrying around bitterness and, and unforgiveness inside of you, you cannot live and experience the joy of the Lord. And I know this to be per- true personally in my own life. Look at this verse from John's gospel. John 15, 11, Jesus says, I have told you this so that, what? My joy, look at it with me, may be in you and that, what? Your joy may be what? Complete. It's possible for your joy to not be complete. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Fullness of joy Because there's joy, and then there's fullness of joy, right? There's your joy, but then there's his joy. You see the distinction there, right? Fullness of joy only comes with wholeness of heart. And and let me just kind of get practical here for a minute. You can't have a full joy with a heart that's divided. And and let me explain like this. You got to go get your heart back, from that lost or broken relationship. You, you got to go get your heart back from your last church or from your last job or from whoever or wherever wounded your spirit. You've got to go get it back. And, and, and you do that with absolute and total forgiveness. You don't maybe go physically, but you just surrender that part of you, that baggage you've been carrying around, that baggage you dragged into your heart from an old relationship, that baggage of, of, of depression or anxiety or stress or addiction. You, you say, you know what, i got to let that go. And, and you do that with absolute and total forgiveness. La- last year, uh, I made an acquaintance with a, uh, a senior pastor in our city um, who pastors an extraordinarily large church. And he said, hey, man, why don't you come to this group that I have for pastors and for ministry leaders? And I said, well, okay, what is it? He's like, it's, it's called Celebrate Recovery. And I was like, well, yeah, that's for like addicts and, you know, people with major issues, isn't it? And he was like, no, no, I think it's good for pastors too. And then I'm like, uh, okay, man. And so I went, you know, just to make a connection, you know, just to hang out with some other guys and just to rub shoulders. I'm like, I don't need this Celebrate Recovery thing. And I got about two weeks in. And I realized, man, Danny, you are one jacked up brother right here. <laughs> and as the, the further I got into this, the more I realized how messed up life can make people, even people who haven't gone off into some crazy depths of despair, but just people who are trying to do life, guys like me who just stuff down the things that happen. And man, I was living with a tremendous amount of anger in my life, and I didn't even know it. But man, you let something not go right, and boom, the top would blow off. And I thought, ah, it's just me being a man. You know, men are mad. We're just mad by nature. Somebody cuts us off in traffic, we'll shoot them. You know what I'm saying? We'll chase them down. We'll wave to them in a non-biblical way. And listen to me, I was with 12 men 
pastors in this room. And, and, and of the 12 men, almost every one of them would bring their dad back into play. And at first I was like, ain't this something? Everybody's got to blame somebody else for their troubles. You know what I'm saying? But every one of these guys would start to weep, grown men crying about brokenness from their childhood, about brokenness from their teenager, about brokenness associated with their father, and that men, grown men, men leading churches, broken. And, and, and this, this pastor over five months led us until we, I had to sit in his office with him, and he'd say, all right, Danny, who do you need to forgive? Well, I don't know. What, he goes, well, you got a list right here. And he'd say, all right, Danny, we're going to pray, and you're going to forgive them right now. And I would say, right, right now in front of you? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that right now. And so I'd say, all right, God, I want you to help me to forgive so-and-so. And, you know, I forgive them. And then he'd stop me and go, you don't mean that, man. Let's do that again. Let's do that again. And he would do it, and he would just keep doing it until I literally, sincerely meant it. Because what was happening is I wasn't experiencing and living in total freedom and total joy because my heart was still broken or still wounded or still carrying some bitterness or some anger or some resentment or some hostility towards people who long ago forgot about me. Do you know what I'm saying? They didn't know that, I was, I was, that they were part of my issue. Let me tell you something. You choose to let it go. You choose to cancel the debt they owe you, the lost time, the lost childhood, the lost years invested in a bad relationship. You cancel what it is that they owe you, and you instead choose fullness of joy right where you're at. Fullness of joy comes with wholeness of heart. Let me ask you something. Who or what has still got part of your heart? Go, go get it. God, God is telling you to let something go so that he can give you something better, so that he can give you the oil of joy, the, 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 the beauty for ashes. Joy is a personal awakening. You choose when to wake up. Secondly, much quicker, joy is a voice on the inside. You choose to hear it. But, but let me tell you something. You can't hear this with, with, with your ears. Have you ever tried to console someone who's going through a, a bad time, they've been through a divorce or a bad breakup or they've got something going, they've lost a job and man, you're doing your best to help them realize well, they've got it good. You know, there are other fish in the seas or you got your job or you got your health or you got a car, man. D you know, don't worry. And you're talking and you're giving them the best thing you know how to do and at the end of it, they're still just as depressed, still just as down. They're not even listening to you anymore. They're looking with a blank stare off into space. How many of you know what I'm saying? You did your best, but it didn't really work. Let me tell you why that is. Words from the outside, even wise words, even words of, 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 from the heart channeled through our ears are not going to get the job done, right? You can't speak to something that's broken on the inside with words from the, from the outside. And this is why I say that joy is a voice from the inside. It's words that come from the inside that don't necessarily correlate with what's happening on the outside of us. Words that I have to hear um, with, with my spirit. Look, look back at our story. Hannah's husband is trying to use words to console her uh, when she's broken, broken. And he says in verse 8, Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And can I just stop before I read the rest of this and just apologize to women everywhere for all men everywhere? Like, we just are emotionally not intelligent, right? We're just not. We're just not very bright when it comes to dealing with you. I, I, I just apologize to my wife right here in front of God and everybody. Because look what he goes on to say. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons, right? You see what I'm saying? Not very bright. She has no kids. She wants kids more than anything in life, and the brother gets cocky. 
Hey, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons, right? No, you don't. You're not helping either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> did, did this guy mean well? Was he trying to do a good thing? Yeah, of course. But, but the bottom line is wholeness. And, and peace and joy come from the inside, not from words from the outside. And we have to hear the voice of joy coming from the inside. Now, let me tell you this. Another enemy of joy is unresolved guilt and blame. But we, we don't know why Hannah was barren. The story just picks up with the fact that she is. But remember, she's got this other woman who the Bible calls her adversary, calling her names, telling her that God is punishing her, telling her that she's no good, that she's a bad wife, just taunting her. Do you think she's going to be joyful listening to all that noise? Right? Listening to that junk. She's walking through life, feeling guilty, feeling that something's wrong, like this is her fault, all because of voices from the outside, from her rival, her adversary. And I would just suggest that some of us, maybe we need to change who it is that we're listening to. Like some of us are hanging around people that, that maybe are robbing us of joy, that somebody is speaking into your life, and, and you need to shut that off because some people are just, like, like there's all this fascination with vampires in our world today. Some people are just joy vampires. Like you hang around for 10 minutes and you just, you just want to go off in a corner and, and find some pills, man. You, you stop drinking, but you need to drink again because you hung out with them. Just joy vampires. They had to make a movie called that. And, and let me just say this. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil is our adversary. And what does the Bible say he's doing? That he's the accuser of the believers, that he's speaking evil things about us, but he also speaks them to us, that he's running some, I don't know how he does it, some subliminal noise into our lives. And, and we'll hear words of accusation against us because his efforts are to make us feel guilty and depressed and bad about ourselves and tell us that we're no good, that, that God doesn't love us, that God has forgotten us, that the mistakes we've made are too big, too insurmountable, that people hate us. That's what's going on. But you've got to hear another voice coming from the inside of you, words that are greater and more powerful than the words that you're hearing from your adversary. You've got to hear that God loves you and that he has a bright future for you and and that no matter what you've done in the past, that it's in the past and that it's a new day and that it's a new season and that it's a new morning. Amen. You've got to hear that God loves you. Do do, do you remember, and I'm I'm hurrying here to a close, Do, do you remember the story of David? When he had done two evil things, he'd committed adultery with another man's wife, and then he had this man murdered, right? Pretty rough stuff, adultery and and murder. And now he's repented. And and we referenced this earlier in Psalm 51. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. But then look at verse 8. Make me what? Is it there? Make me what? Hear joy. That the bones you've broken... May rejo- make me, I just told you, you gotta, it's a voice from the inside. You've got to hear it. Make me hear joy. Make, David's saying, make me hear the voice inside me telling me that what I've suffered, that the mistakes I've made, that the brokenness of my spirit can be made whole. What do you think David is hearing after doing these bad things? What's going on inside of David's mind when his own child that was born out of that illicit affair dies? What is he feeling? He's feeling guilt and condemnation, and and he's feeling like a colossal failure. And he says, listen, make me hear joy so that no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what's happening in my present, that none of it can drown out the voice of joy speaking to me from the inside if I choose to hear 
what God is whispering in my spirit. You guys can come back if you don't mind. And, and God is speaking to us, to some of us in this place this morning. Maybe you walked in here today just feeling dragging and, and burdened and, and pained and hurted, hurting. God's speaking to some of you that you are loved, that you are prized by, by majesty, that, that no matter your mistakes and no matter your failings and no matter the damage that's been done to you by someone else, that we have a future in him, that there is joy to be had in him, but we have to hear the voice on the inside. And you know what? Joy. Joy comes from the knowledge that things are well with my soul. That, that, that things are right between me and God. It comes from the knowledge that no matter what is going on around me, that he's promised to hold me together, to keep me all the way through. Go, go, go back to our story for just a second. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. Do, do, do you remember when the priest told her to go in peace? that the Lord had granted her request. This is more than just a salutation or a cheesy goodbye. He's saying, listen, I don't know what your struggle is, but I want you to know as you leave this place that things are right between you and God. Go, go in peace, go in shalom. The way things ought to be. That peace means the way things ought to be, the way God designed them to be. Go in shalom, right? And when Hannah heard the priest say, go in peace, what she really heard was, hey, Hannah, Things are right between you and God. R remember, the other woman was telling her otherwise. Culture told her, if you can't have a baby, it's because you're a sinner. And so this is what she's feeling in that moment. And the priest says, listen to me. Go away in peace, knowing that things are right between you and God. And we know that she hears that because verse 18 says, and she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, now, if you're going to live in joy, you've got to catch this next thought. Joy came first, and then she got her baby. Joy came before the answered prayer. Some of us are waiting for the baby to bring us joy. We're waiting for the job, the house, the relationship, the perfect home environment to bring us joy. This is not how it works in God's economy. Joy precedes the blessing. And this is why sometimes joy is an act of faith. Faith isn't, faith isn't about denying your problems, right? Faith is about defying your problems. Amen? I'm fully aware of what's going on around me in my life, but I choose to see God's future in my life. I choose to hear the voice from the inside that says, it is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. And some of you are going, you know what, Danny, man, you don't know me, man. My life stinks. My relationships are bad. I lost my job. I'm alone. How can I have joy? Listen, again, joy has nothing to do with what's going on on the outside. What you're looking for is happiness, which depends on happenings, but it's fleeting. Come on, how many of you know what I'm saying? It's fleeting. Joy is about faith. Joy is about the future. Joy is about the knowledge that God is for me. Come on, that he's for me, that God loves me no matter what. And you choose it by faith, and you've got to hear joy from the inside. The third thing, and I'm done. Joy is a ch chance to discover new opportunities, and you've got to see it. Look at, look at real quick, Acts chapter 13. Remember that when her blessing came, Hannah's blessing, it came in the form of a child, Samuel. Check this out. After that, he gave them judges 
for about 450 years. Listen, look at this. Until Samuel, the prophet. So for 450 years, the people had judges who judged them. Samson and Deborah, and there's a whole litany of names of judges. You can read about them in the book of Judges. Can I, how about that? But please catch this with me. Those of you who've been robbed maybe by your past. Those of you who've had words spoken of you, over you, of judgment or condemnation. Samuel came. The blessing came. The answered prayer came. And the judges disappeared. The blessing came. And the judging left. And through Samuel, the people discovered new opportunities. Something old left, and something new and much better came. So, so Samuel isn't a picture of God giving you everything you think you want, everything you think you need. Samuel is a picture of God giving you what you really need, a new opportunity, a fresh start, a new morning, a new mercy, but you have to see it. Like, like some of you, and I've experienced this in my own life, and I could speak this with some of you have had words spoken over you of judgment I worked with students for 14 years and some of the things that the kids would tell me that their parents had said over them would break my heart some of you have had words spoken over you of judgment words from parents words from teachers words from exes words from the world and you've been hearing words of judgment for so long that you've started to believe them I'm here this evening to speak a new word into your life, a song of joy, a word of peace, a word of blessing, a word of wholeness. Would you just stand with me for just a second? It's time to roll, but would you just close your eyes in this place this morning? And if you're comfortable, maybe just open your hands just like this, just to receive this word from God in this place this day. Like some of you literally... If, if I were to sit you in a room, a celebrate recovery kind of a room, and you started to unbear your past, you would get to the heart of the matter that somebody has damaged you, somebody has spoken over you, somebody has condemned you, somebody has told you this or that or the other, and you, because they were the judges in your life, you've believed that. The judges ruled for a while in your life, but then came the blessing. And then the judging left and I just, I just I'm just naive enough to believe but, but call it faith enough to believe in a God who on a Wednesday night during spring break when everybody else is doing their thing and South by Southwest is going on and there's all this other stuff that somebody came to this place for such a time as this to hear a word from the Lord and to receive it with hands open God I hear the voice that you are speaking to me from the inside that I am loved that I am not forgotten that I am not no good, that I am not left behind, that I am not damaged goods. And I hear a voice this, this evening calling out to me, you are my child, you are my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Would you just hear that? Some of you who never heard a mom or a dad tell you that they loved you, never had a mom or dad tell you that they were proud of you, would you just hear your father say to you, I love you, you are my beloved, so be loved, and I am well pleased with you. Lord Jesus, as we get ready to leave this place.
And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.